Oh, you may be seated. <clears throat> hey, uh, before you sit down, <clears throat> first of all, thanks for that song. It was beautiful. Just uh, some guests here. You want to? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> sort of. <laughs> I don't know where Mark disappeared to. Okay. <laughs> you have half a guest. <laughs> I did. I did want to call them out and honor them. Yeah. Uh, this is Liz right here, sitting in the front. Make sure to say hello to her. But her husband, Mark. Uh, was the pastor at the church that I just came from mm-hmm. uh, over in San Jose. He just retired um, in December, or uh, January, I guess, like January 1 or December 31st, whatever. He just retired, but he was the guy that brought me in and kind of mentored me over the last 10 years. And so I did want to honor Mark and Liz. So if you see a man, tall guy with, with Liz here, please say hello and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, they live, they live over in the Soquel Hills over here. So I'm lobbying for them to start coming to church here. But their kids also live in town and go to a different church. So I understand if you have to go to church with your kids. But we would wait, love wait, to are, have you here as well. Are there any are there any grandkids involved? Yes, there's definitely grandkids. Oh, you, so it's, it's like, never going to happen, brother. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So good to have you guys. All right. Uh, let's see. We have some visitors also. Um, Chad and Samantha are back, our second son and daughter-in-law. Great to have you guys. <laughs> And and they're really going for it. They they have their little one upstairs. Wow, that's a big step. <clears throat> we'll see how long that lasts. That'll be it's great. And then um, from Illinois, uh, my in-laws, um, uh, Rudy and Cheryl Bender are here. Stand up, just stand up. Come on, Sharon's parents. So glad to have them out. Uh, they, they they've been out for they'll be out for a couple weeks. And they, here's the good news: we like each other. It's great. We can do two weeks and have a great time. So, uh, anyways, always great to have you guys, of course, of course. Hey, we're going to continue the series on origin, and we're looking at Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And I mentioned last week, we're, we're, we're looking at these three chapters, kind of a, a, a cycle, if you would, of creation, community, corruption, and then recreation. Okay, can we all say it together? You guys got memorized already, right? Uh, creation, community, corruption, recreation. One more time. Creation, community, corruption, recreation. Some of you go, that sounds just like my life. <laughs> but this is kind of a pattern uh, that we're going to see, certainly starting in the first three chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis means in the beginning. So this is the origin of God and his, his creation, the heavens and earth and, and people here. And today, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it here in a moment. And it introduces the idea of rest and this idea of Sabbath. And I'm going to try to unwrap it today. I probably have too much information um, for one setting, but you're a sharp crowd. Right? You can handle it. You can handle it. Uh, but uh, it's, it's still kind of a, um, an introduction to the whole idea. But I think it's really important to really kind of get your arms around this idea of rest, this idea of Sabbath, and uh, how it originated, uh, what it meant for the, the Israelites, what it means for you and I, and ultimately what, what it means for us one, one day. <clears throat> but in the Scriptures, in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, the Bible says this, um, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work uh, that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So he, he worked six, rested the seventh. Now, a lot of people have this, this vision of God uh, being like maybe exhausted from his labor, had to take a break. He created a, the, like the best lazy boy chair ever created, right? He sat in it. He reclined it all the way back, grabbed the remote, had a nice thick sandwich. You know, these, these are our visions, right? God, God, God worked. And then he rested. God worked, and then he rested. Let, let me just right off the bat give what I think is a, a good understanding of what this means. Uh, wh- what it means is, from my, my humble opinion, um, God established this idea he had, this heaven, earth, people, and once he organized it, he settled into it. It would be like this. It would be like moving into a, a home, right? And then you, you, you organize it, right? So you can live in it. And once it's organized, now you have a, a pattern of life you can enjoy in that home. Does that make sense? Once, once you get into the house and you organize it, you can settle into it. And now you can start living in the home. You can start experiencing life the way you designed it to live. And so this idea of settling in is probably a, a, a fuller way to understand God rested. It's not like he did nothing. He rested or settled into his intentional purpose of why he created the heavens and the earth and people. He was able to live out now this people. So Heaven and earth really is God with us. We refer to Jesus that way, right? God with us. But this idea that God created a place to live with his people, a place to dwell, to commune, this idea of community with his people. Now, this this leads us into this conversation about the Sabbath. Uh, and it's interesting to me because in if you go through the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, you will notice uh, that for most Christians, uh, we would agree with all ten minus one. <clears throat> right? All ten minus one. And there's ten of them. There's nine of them we have no dispute whatsoever. Right? Uh, you shall have no, 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 I am the Lord God, no other God besides me. We all, we all in on that? Right? No idols. We all in on that, right? Uh, don't misuse uh, the, the Lord's name. Right? We're all in on that, right? <clears throat> let's skip the Sabbath. Uh, let's go right to honor your father and your mother, right? That's for life, by the way. For life. For life, life, life. Two of my kids are right here. <clears throat> That's fine. And sharing your folks, life right there. We, we, we'd all agree on that. Should not murder. Might have the occasional thought, but you can't do it. 
right? You can't do it. I think we're all in on that, right? Uh, shall not steal. <clears throat> it's always a good thing. No false testimony against your neighbor. <clears throat> and then uh, don't cover it. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. But the Sabbath in our culture, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <clears throat> we kind of negotiate the Sabbath a little bit, I think, a lot of times in our minds and in, in the church. But notice this, this idea of God resting, establishing the Sabbath, it was before the law. We're going to see it in the law, right? But it was also before the law. God establishes before the law. Two things before the law were already established. That's one, rest or Sabbath, and two, tithe. We know Abraham tithed the Melchizedek. But there are a couple of things that were established pre-law, but made its way into law, into the law of what we call the Old Testament, which was good, by the way, right? Israelites, the law was beautiful. The law was good because the law helped us understand how to relate to God and to one another. Right? Both. How to relate to God, how to relate to one. Ten commandments. Four ways to God, six ways to one another. Right. So, so we know that the, this idea of rest, this idea of Sabbath was established before the law, but worked its way into the law. In fact, it was a sign of the Mosaic covenant. All that means, the Moses covenant with God, all the word covenant means is, is what we agree upon in, in our relationship with God, right? <clears throat> Some of you have been married before, right? Have you, have you been married in the room? Do you remember your wedding day? <clears throat> Do you remember what you, what you agreed upon? Any, anybody? Any, any, anyone with regrets about some of those words? <clears throat> Till what? Till... And you can't murder. You can't murder. <clears throat> right. In a similar way, when it comes to these covenants that God had with people, it, it was his, his way of communicating. This, this, is how, this is how you're going to be in a right relationship with me. This is what I guarantee I'm going to do for you, but here's what I need you to do for me. It's this agreement, a relational agreement. And, and in this covenant, in Exodus 31, 12, uh, we see that uh, Sabbath, was one of the signs. God's people were going to uh, honor the Sabbath. They were going to rest. They were going to be reminded why God created... This is the most important part of the, everything I'm going to say. <laughs> They're going to be reminded of why God created the heavens and the earth and people in the first place. That, that's your takeaway right there. Okay? life moves pretty fast at times. And it's pretty easy to forget why we're here. What this whole living is all about. Uh, this happens in churches sometimes. Sometimes churches forget why the doors are open. Right? They forget. <clears throat> and so God built in a rhythm of life that would remind us uh, of why we're here in the first place. And hopefully reset us, maybe do a course correction of where we are in life, help remind us. But if we don't have at least one day where we're being reminded of this, it's easy to forget why we're here. Why we're here. It's easy to have mission drift, to drift way off from the purposes of God. <clears throat> Let me just read this out of Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Uh, regarding the Sabbath, God's with Moses communicating the 
Ten Commandments here. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day uh, is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. To the Lord your God. Can we say that together? To the, <clears throat> to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servants, your female servants, your livestock, sojourners who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. <clears throat> now, just a recommendation um, to you if you're a Christ follower here today. <clears throat> it is always best for your life and my life to align our lives with God's way of living. As opposed to, God, here's what I want to do. I I need you to join me. Some Christians live that way, right? God, here's what I want to do. Come bless it. God's like, you know what? Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you come align yourself, and then I will bless you. I will bless you. So in a similar way, when we align ourselves with God's instructions, uh, we will receive the protection, the provision, the blessing, the presence of God. The presence of God. Now in Mark, kind of moving to the uh, New Testament, Jesus talked about the Sabbath a little bit. And in Mark chapter 2, verses uh, 23 through 28, so I want to read this. He refers to the Sabbath in this story. And here's what it says. Uh, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain, and the Pharisees, Pharisees, you guys remember the Pharisees, don't you? Religious leaders, knew the law, knew the scriptures, right? Entrusted with the teachings of the scriptures, entrusted with leading God's people. Remember them? So the Pharisees said to him, look. Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? One thing the Pharisees did was they put a lot of man-made laws around the law of God. A lot of man-made laws around the law of God. One of the responsibilities of the prophet in the Old Testament was the prophet would break through back to the heart of God and the spirit of the teaching of God, the law. broke through the man-made laws that were around the God laws. And so what the Pharisees did, they put an extra weight or yoke on the people of God. And they tried to put a yoke on the people of God that they themselves could not carry. Come on, someone help me out. They tried to put rules on the people of God that were not God's rules or God's laws. And they were rules and laws that they themselves couldn't keep. Now, what do we call that? Hypocrisy, right? Here's the bit. If you don't want to be, let me, this this is going to be good for one person here. If you, if you're struggling, like, man, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be more vocal with my faith, but I feel like such a hypocrite. You know, here's all you got to do. Number one, don't try to communicate that you're somebody you're not as far as a Christian. And here's how you do it. You live in humility. <laughs> and here's what that means. Humility is not denying your strengths. It's admitting your weaknesses. 
Christians lose their power of their witness when, when they stop being humble and honest with those they're sharing their faith with. Come on. Right? But man, if you're honest, if you're forthright with people, if you say, I needed a Savior when I got saved and I still need a Savior today, right? And I got to tell you, people will lean in and listen to you now. Because now you're living a life they understand. And the truth is, you and I understand it also. So it goes on. <clears throat> Jesus answered, <clears throat> Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread. I love the fact that Jesus starts this by, Have you never heard? <laughs> poke, poke. Well, of course they heard. They heard it, they knew it, they taught it. But he's like, haven't you guys heard? You guys know this one, don't you? Have you ever read uh, what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So here's Jesus. He's always pushing back. He's always got to, he's always got to correct the set, the, uh, Pharisees constantly, constantly. But anyways, it goes on. Uh, then he, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is here to serve you and me. It's God's way of serving us. It's God's way of blessing us. It's God's way of protecting us. It's God's way of giving us our provision. It was made for us. So the Son of Man, he says, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. <clears throat> so Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. It was made for us. It's for our benefit. <clears throat> Let's look at Colossians 2 real quick. It says, uh, the Apostle Paul writing, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. So the Apostle Paul, he's trying to teach the scriptures to those who may not be Jews, Gentiles. Uh, any Gentiles in the room? Non-Jews? Probably most of us. So he's trying to... He's trying to bring into the story those whose the story of God was not their story. Kind of like what you, you and I do with new, belief, with new believers all the time. Or those who are not yet believers. We're trying to bring them into God's story. So the Apostle Paul's teaching this. He's talking about um, people who celebrate certain holy days or new moons, ceremonies or Sabbaths. He says, don't let certain people condemn you or judge you. <clears throat> The, the word here is, they're, uh, a good description of this word, condemn, judge, is <clears throat> they're playing umpire. They're calling balls and strikes on your life. Aren't those people such a blessing? Aren't they a blessing? They're calling balls and strikes on your life. And Paul says, don't, don't let, don't, don't let them do that. They can't do that. And he's saying, don't do that yourself. Right. Here's, here, here's my experience. Maybe it's not yours. I don't know. 
why would I call balls and strikes on people's lives when I'm striking out? Come on. Unless you're batting a thousand, man. There's only one person that batted a thousand. His name was Jesus. And you're not him. Neither am I. So don't let anyone condemn you for you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holy days, new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows. Everyone say shadows. Of the reality yet to come. So there's a future idea of rest or Sabbath. There's a future. There's a past, a present, and an ultimate future. Remember, if Sabbath is a reminder about why God created the heavens and the earth, and you and me, this idea of creation, community, corruption, recreation, right? it's a reminder of that. That God wants to be with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to remember why we're here. He wants to be with us. He wants to be present in our lives. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Christ himself, the presence, the person of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul's saying here. These, these ceremonies, these these, uh, these days, holy days, these Sabbaths, they're still important, but there's something greater. They're still important, but there's something greater. It's the spirit behind the Sabbath that's greater. God with us. God with us. God creating an environment where he, we can walk with him. Isn't that amazing? Many times I've talked to people and they read... Uh, in the Bible, how God walked with certain people. And, uh, and they said, well, what does that mean? God walked with them in the cool of the day. I mean, what does that mean? Is that figurative? And I go, here's what it means. It means God walked with them in the cool of the day. And when I walk, went down to Westcliff, nice place to walk. And when I walk, God walked with them. God was in relationship with them. God created a garden for them. God had provision for them. God wanted to be with them. And that is true for you and for me. Not just one day a week, right? But at all times. At all times. But that one day can remind us of what's important. I'm going to read a little bit out of Romans chapter 14. Verses 1 through 13. And just talking a little more about this idea in the New Testament. Um, The Apostle Paul says this, Accept him, or her, whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Without passing judgment. One man or woman's faith allows him to eat everything. But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Now, again, you're, in the early church, they're trying to bring all these cultures together, right? You've got a Jewish culture. You've got a Roman culture. You've got a Hellenistic culture. You've got a hedonistic culture. Could you imagine all those groups being in one fellowship like this right here? 
and you're trying to bring, you're trying to get them to get along with each other. That's not easy. Someone asked me once, what's the most difficult thing about the church? Is it doctrine? I said, nope. Is it finances? No, 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 no. Is it uh, where you meet? No, 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 silly. No. The most difficult thing in any local church is people getting along with each other. Just turn to someone and say, you're all right. You're all right. Come on, help me out. We'll start there. You're all right. People getting along, man. I'm telling you, that's the challenge right there. So that's why at, uh, at Christian Life Center, we're going we're gonna to try to do the right thing, what? The right way. Right? Try to do the right thing, the right way. We're, we're, we're going to love one another, even if it hurts, and it's going <clears> to. <throat> right? The, the Bible calls it long, patience is long suffering. You're going to suffer, man. You're going to suffer. But it pays off. It's always worth it. It's always worth it. I want, I want to believe that. I want to believe that. Let's go on. Uh, verse four, 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Of course, we're God's servant. Who are you to, who are we to judge one another? Because we're, we only answer to God, right? To his own master he stands or falls and he will stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced, this is the key, convinced, convinced in his own mind. We all have different convictions, different understanding of the scriptures, different, we're all in different places with God. My walk's not your walk, your walk's not my walk, right? Verse six, he who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And who abstain, he abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to themselves alone, themselves alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is the point. We belong to the Lord. Right? I'm responsible to God. I'm responsible to God. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. Right? Do you believe that? My recommendation, um, instead of waiting until we, you know, we, we have to, let's willfully do it here. Let's bow here. right? Not just posture-wise, but in our decision-making, in all we do. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Stop judging others. You gotta get ready for your account to God. <laughs> get ready for your account. Don't judge others. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in front of your brother's way. So each of us need to make a convicted decision on, on days, on convictions and so forth. And I believe including, uh, including the Sabbath, uh, verse five and six. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. I have this conversation a lot with Christians. 
What do I, do I take one day and rest? Do I take one day and not work? And my recommendation is you should, if you can. You'll be happier. There'll be a rhythm of life. There'll be a reminder every week. Set aside. Uh, if you can't, make, make it a morning, make it an afternoon, make it an evening. Just start getting a habit of a ritual in your life. Some of you are like, you're, you're like, you're, you're ready. You're, you're, you're all in. You're like, Pastor Chris, seven days a week for me, man, seven. Praise God. You're getting it. You're getting it. It's great. Tip my hat. Tip my hat to you. Awesome. Uh, but at least one as a reminder of what was, what is, and what is to come. I'm going to wrap this up by reading Hebrews 4. And the writer of Hebrews is going to address this. Now, he's writing to a, a, a Jewish audience all right, who's considering um, going back to the law. They're considering going back. They're with Jesus. Or at least they're interested. They're leaning in. Uh, they're considering going back. And the writer is trying to convince them that Christ is greater than the law. The law had a purpose. The law is good. Uh, the, no jot or tittle will ever be erased from the law. Right? But there's something greater than the law. The law was a schoolmaster. It taught us that we needed a Savior. So it taught us we need a Savior. So he's trying to convince him not to leave. And here's what he says, and we'll wrap it up with this. Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. Remember when the Israelites went into the promised land? We're going through a lot of Sunday school lessons today. <clears throat> They're going to enter into this promised land that God had promised to give them, where there would be um, shalom. Shalom, peace, provision, peace, provision. That land was a shadow representation of all the land. Because the whole earth's the Lord's, right? But it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. So it started started there. So uh, he's talking about that. Uh, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, uh, let's be careful that none of you be found... To have fallen short of it, like not entering into it. And he was very concerned about their, their faith in this situation. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, good news of the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Everyone say faith. Right. I, I, I love what I heard a few weeks ago. Faith, your faith in God, is evidence of the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I, I like that. Your, the, the fact that you have faith in God is evidence of the power that God had in the death, death burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For we have had the gospel preached to us, but the message they heard, they had no faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. So he's, he's equating for the Jews this idea of entering this rest as the Israelites did when they went into the promised land. There's, there's, a, there's a thread from Genesis 2 all the way through the story of God to Revelation. Isn't that amazing? This theme never leaves the Bible. Never leaves, but it's huge. It's huge. 
Now we uh, who have believed enter the rest just as God has said. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. That's a three-week series right there. (laughs) Right there. Uh, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And by the way, I love that. If, if you can't quote chapter and verse, uh, and you can only like recall the verse, feel good about that, right? Because that's what just happened here. Somewhere, somewhere, anyone else do that besides me? Somewhere. Now, don't be like the fiddler on the roof who says, oh, the good book says, and he butchers the scriptures. Don't do that. Don't do that. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his work, And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again said a certain day, calling it today, when a long time ago later, he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. This idea of rest is critical. The most important thing today is that you understand that God has a rhythm of life for you and I to live. And he wants us to align with his rhythm that he established here on earth. God has day and night. He has seasons. Uh, he has intentionality in his creation. He has a way how he wants you to live, how he wants me to live. And that one day a week of taking that break is a reminder. It's a shadow of things to come. But it's a really important reminder. I would encourage you to at least start there. If you can get to seven days a week, praise God, you're getting it. Because it's a daily walking presence with God. God wants us to enter His rest. He wants us to go back to His original intention in paradise, back to Eden, back to the garden. And this idea of this promised land, free from slavery, free from the power of sin in your life. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? God's original design to be with us, shalom, this idea of peace, this idea of peace that transcends our ability to even think, to grasp, goes beyond our circumstances. This is why Jesus said these words, and the music team can come back up. Jesus said these words, don't worry about tomorrow. This is the idea of getting back to Eden. This is the idea of shalom. This is the idea of rest, the idea of peace, being united with God. He doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow, about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Adam and Eve did not care about those things until they had to. But that's the corruption part. We'll get to that later. This idea of returning back to this original design. That's why rest is so important. That's why Sabbath is so important. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let me pray for you, then we're going to sing some more songs. Father God, thank you so much for each person here. God, I'm so grateful. God, I pray we can all do a, an assessment of our lives right now. Just ask ourselves, are we in rhythm with your design of life? And God, I pray you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.